Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. ASB Senior Wealth Economist Chris Tennant Brown is back today to give us a market update. What an update it is. Among other things, we're covering the US China trade deal, upcoming elections, and of course, how the markets have reacted to the recent coronavirus outbreak. Does this change anything for investors? These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Chris, welcome back to the to the booth. Haven't seen you. It seems like a long time. It's been it must be like two months. Yeah, it? two months since we're in the in the booth, and you know, stacks of stuff's changed. We've got through another Christmas and New Year's, and here we are back again, looking at the year that's been and the year ahead. Yeah, and something's changed in the booth. It's normally quite comfortable in here, but now we're sort of perched on these incredibly. Very attractive looking stalls, but very uncomfortable stalls to sit on, actually, which is sort of giving me a bit of a workout on my core. Yeah, so if we sound like we're rushing through it, it's because <laughs> we're getting we're getting sore. And what's been going on in the Chris Tennant Brown household over the last couple of months? Oh, well, been working on the plane and, and, and selling old bikes that I've restored or not restored to um, make room for... You know the things like the wings that I need to build, and um, yeah, so it's just a big long process, but quite good fun. Yeah, I um, managed to get myself uh, get rid of two motorbikes and buy one new uh, ah. Vespa. Oh, what sort of Vespa have you bought? Oh, I bought this three hundred cc one. It's just a little beast. Wow! But I got sucked in by the latest technology. You know this digital dashboard, and I am so hopeless with technology. I basically need to find a teenager to help me understand <laughs> how to. Bluetooth it to my phone. I oh mean, my goodness! Why would I that want? Sounds to, painful. Yeah. Why would I want to Bluetooth my motorbike to my telephone? Yeah. But I'm sure there's a reason. But yes, I'm struggling with the new technology. But the actual Vespa is good. Yeah, I've got I've got a one two five Vespa. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't. Use, I use it around Devonport. I used to take it over the bridge, but it was just so scary going over the Harbour Bridge that I gave up, and I just now go around Devonport on it. But. Yeah, I'm trying to keep off the Harbour Bridge too. Ah, right. Now we could talk all day about scooters, but we should probably um, talk a little bit about what's going on. And I, I was reflecting before we came into the booth, like as you sort of get into 2020 and 2019, we'll talk a little bit about what happened there. But if I sort of go back to the end of 2018, probably people were quite nervous about what was going on in financial markets. The 2019 was going to be this year where there's going to be lots of volatility and trouble with markets and stuff. Actually, that didn't play out at all, did it? Oh, it's it's a really big lesson in, in, in how it all works and sticking with your strategy. Uh, Christmas of 2018, I just couldn't wait to get home because the bad news was coming thick yeah. and fast. Remember, share markets were down 10, 20% yep. at the end of 2018. And when we were recording our, hey, what's the year that's been in the year ahead, we were sort of trying to keep people calm because yeah. we'd just gone through this turbulent time. And yeah, really, nothing much changed over the course of 2019. We got heaps of bad news, but what a phenomenal year for investments. So it's um it's really interesting to think a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago people were incredibly nervous and then 2019 well, for KiwiSafe, for example, that was the best calendar year performance for all the diversified funds. It's just phenomenal. We always come back to the sticking to the uh, the long run plans and um, and try to ignore some of the news. And last year was definitely a good example of of, of that. But there, I think when we were, we've been talking over the year, there was so much like you know Brexit, Trump, Brexit, trade war, Trump, Brexit. Yeah. Like there was so much going on. But it's it seems to have sort of 
sort of some of it's gone away maybe or or quietened down we had all the global uncertainty coming from from trump and brexit and then we also the other thing which changed a lot was at the end of 2018 we were really worried about how much higher could interest rates go particularly in the states because the fed was hiking rates and then of course the big change that happened in the first half of last year is the Fed went from talking about tightening to actually delivering a couple of rate cuts. And same with the RBNZ here. We had the rate cuts last year as well. And so that was the bit of the oil on the wheels for um, for, for share markets for sure was those declining interest rates off the, off the back of that. But the Trump trade war stuff looked like it could be a disaster right up until December when finally they announced, hey, well, we've, we've got phase one of the deal. Um, The UK elections finally went the way that the polls suggested. And then so in contrast to a year ago, we probably all went home at Christmas time from a global perspective thinking, hey, things sound like they're getting a little bit better now. And uh, and that's certainly how the year started this year. Markets were looking pretty strong. And this is the way it always works. Just when you think, oh, this is going to be a bit easy, a new thing comes along. And um, and now we're, uh, you know, coronavirus or COVID-19. We're learning all these new names. We're learning about... um, parts of China that certainly I hadn't thought about in too much detail before and and, uh, and with this virus. So this is just what markets always do. There's always something new to digest and process. Yeah, and we'll come on to coronavirus and how that might impact um, markets. But I suppose the real learning for the of 2019, and you talk about it a lot, is you've got to sort of get through all the noise, get through all the sort of headlines, actually, what are the fundamentals? And they've, you know, there's been global growth, and that's been positive. And yeah. with low interest rates, people are looking for different assets, and that's driven markets around the world. So there is some, some core messages there, right? Oh, totally. And and also, um, you know, bad news definitely sells newspapers. But when you look through the mix, there's some really good stories as well. And, and look at New Zealand's export prices, for example. There's an they're really high right now. Forestry is an exception, um, but dairy prices, uh, meat prices, horticulture prices—you know—it's a that's a really good story in New Zealand. That um, you have to look through the details because it's much more fun to report about the things to, to to worry about. So, and and like you say, the fundamentals for investment were actually pretty solid. I actually thought that this year, 2020, might be a bit like 2017 where we had so much bad news baked in. Remember then we were going, what on earth is Trump going to do now that he's becoming president? And then it actually got better and better through the yep. through the course of the year, which is a really good backdrop often for investing. Yep. And then coronavirus, so this has come a, a bit of a shock to uh, to everybody. And how's that, as a with a sort of a economic hat on, how, how has that affected sort of forecasts going forward? And uh, what's your view on that? Yeah, well, it's it's hard to ignore something like this, and 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 it's immediately having an impact. It's, it's, the way that we tend to think about any sort of event, if you like, is what will this do to to confidence? Um, what will this do to um, financial channels, and what will it do to to trade channels? Because those are the ways that these things impact the uh, the economy and 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 businesses so in this instance it clearly impacts confidence right off the bat people are thinking i don't want to travel with these concerns and then it's clearly even if you did want to go to china now it's very difficult because the airlines have stopped flying there financial channels um it's not like the global financial crisis where it really shuts down any markets, but it has impacted things like the new zealand dollar oil prices and that sort of stuff and in some areas where we can see it's impacting trade and services, you know, if you're a if you're a tourism operator right now, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough, and and how long it's tough for will be 
um, we'll only know in hindsight. It could be six weeks, it could be six months if it's something like SARS. And so this is having a real impact. So in our case, normally we'd forecast the economy at the moment's expanding by about half a percent per quarter or two percent per year. Think of it like so. We think in the first quarter the economy will actually have a tiny contraction largely because of those service parts of the economy getting really impacted by the tourists just not coming here. In the longer run, uh, when we look at previous examples, things like this, some of the stuff just will never happen again, but a lot of it just gets substituted. I think of in a personal case, my partner and I were going to go travelling up to Asia, and um, we think, oh, well, no, we won't do that while this is going on. Um, we'll go to Whangarei instead. Which nice. is um, Good swap around. Yeah, so she's stoked. Yeah. And I can, wow. being Scottish, I'm pretty pleased with how the bank account will look with Whangarei compared it's, to Asia. It's funny you say Whangarei, because uh, I know you're going there this week, and that's why you've said it, but um, I was g- uh, driving up there last week, and one thing you notice is there are no logging trucks. Yeah. So normally when you drive up there, like it's quite a dangerous road. You've got logging truck logging. And you probably see like 10 to 15 logging trucks on your journey there and back. Didn't see any. Just yeah. Not even cutting the trees down at the moment. So that it's really interesting how quick some of this stuff hits. Yeah. And, you know, that's an example of something where um, a lot of activity stopped you know, factories have been closed, so they don't need the logs or they can't process the logs up there, so they will stop them coming. Ships can't get unloaded and, and that sort of thing. But but then what you'd expect to happen is it's not like that building that they were going to be used on isn't going to get built. It's just going to get built later on. So you tend to get a lot of catch-up with that sort of stuff. On the other hand, if someone was going to travel here in the Chinese New Year this year, then well, maybe they'll come next year, but it's not an immediate fill-in like that. And you know, those are the businesses that are really feeling it. We've we've seen the headlines about how forestry's been impacted. They're not chopping down the trees. They're yeah. not they're not shipping them around. And uh, tourism operators, you know, if you if you had a coach business that you're driving around Chinese tourists, well, it's going to be really, really quiet until this gets sorted but out. It, but are you seeing any impacts? Of, you know, in, in China or the US, is it going to have any sort of effect on their sort of um, economies? Well, one of the things which is really pleasing and is the market response. Initially, shares dropped with with this and and share markets had hit record highs towards the end of last year. And then in January, they started to pull back when people started to worry about this. But now we're in the the thick of earnings season uh, in the States and uh, the, the company reports are largely coming out fairly positively and share markets are responding more to, to, to that. And you know, economists and uh, share analysts aren't, aren't doctors will tend to look at how did this impact markets in the past? What happened with SARS? What happened with swine flu? What are the indicators that we can see when this is starting to get contained? So the investors are interested in that, but it's not like the markets are plunging on the back of... Um, doom and gloom and and despair they're actually trading more in line with what companies are announcing in terms of their uh, in terms of their results and, and t- you talk about uh, SARS how did markets react and what sort of recovery did we see just to give people sort of a, a view of what might happen well that, that, that's a really good question um and what happened then was some some periods of time it was the big news just yep. like we saw in January and other periods of time there were other events going on that that dominated and actually that turned out to be a pretty good couple of years for shares we were recovering um 
back then in the early 2000s. Uh, well, I read the reports that I wrote. This is one of the things that you can do when you're as old as, as I am, is go back and read what you wrote in 2003. And back then, SARS would get a, a line or two in a report, but we were more worried about conflict in the in the Middle East and terrorism. You know, the, yeah. the big terror attacks were only a, a couple of years behind us. And so those things were getting, were, were driving sentiment uh, more than SARS itself. And I think that feels like what's happening now is earlier on it was big news and now you've clearly got to keep abreast of it and it's definitely impacting some businesses quite majorly. But over the course of the year, we'll uh, get more focus on some of the other things. And uh, one, of the, one of the signs people look for is when do we start to see some peaks in the number of cases we're getting each day? And then when, when that starts to fall away, you get a sense, okay, well, they've got the right procedures in place to contain this and we're understanding how the disease gets spread. And then ultimately, uh, like we saw with SARS, is when you've got medical procedures to, um, to help people so that they don't, they don't die. So all of those things will be stuff that, uh, that's important to watch over the, next, uh, over the next few months. But as we saw with SARS and swine flu, um, it's just one of the worries that we've always got going on um, it's not a complete game changer for any investment strategy. And again, talking about the um, results, uh, company results, a positive field, the results that are coming out and uh, people are actually, um, companies are optimistic about the future as well. Yeah, the, um, the results in the States have been pretty good. We're just starting reporting season in Australia and I think the thing that um, people will be looking at there, our friends at the Australasian share fund managers, will be really looking at how the bushfires are, are impacting companies. I mean, clearly for um, insurers and reinsurers, this is going to be a, a really big deal. And for businesses with exposure in the impacted areas, how they're coping and what's their strategy. So that will be a, a focus for the reporting season down, down here. And then, um, obviously, uh, recently the uh, Reserve Bank held uh, interest rates, and I think with your forward thinking, you were thinking of maybe a rate cut coming in the future. And how are them holding um, and their sort of rhetoric and their talks changed your view at all? Yeah, well, remember last year we were really surprised when they did that big um, fifty basis point cut. So you know, the, twice the twice the usual size, and um, their logic was really let's deliver a a bigger cut now. And, and get the cash rate to where we want it to be. And since it got down to 1%, um, the Reserve Bank seems like they've been pretty confident that's, that's it. We've had softer economic growth forecasts than the Reserve Bank and slightly lower inflation forecasts, so we thought they, uh, they'll probably end up cutting again. But it, it looks like that's worked and those lower interest rates are flowing through to the economy. We're seeing more buoyance in the housing market, for example. And uh, so we think... That probably will be it now, which is indeed what the Reserve Bank signalled um, when they met in in, in February. That, that you know the next move in the very distant future is expected to be a hike. So nothing that uh, we'd expect to happen this year. And of course, if things turn out worse, if the coronavirus has a much longer impact on the economy, or the economy softens much more because of it, um, well, as always, they're, they're they're in a position to to respond. But the the base view now is that's it. So um, for uh, things like mortgage rates, uh, maybe we're at the at the lows now, or the uh, some of those really low rates we saw um, in late 2019 could be it. We're not expecting rates to start raising, uh, lifting strongly anytime soon, but it's it's an interesting um, shift in stance. And when you say anytime soon, like you don't expect any 
any increase in 2020. Maybe by the back end of 2021, 2022. Uh, Of course, when markets start getting excited is when they think, yep, I can think this is definitely going to happen. And um, you can see quite big moves in in interest rates within financial markets in anticipation of the Reserve Bank adjusting the cash rate up. But I think that'll be next year's story or or 2022. This year, I think we'll just have... uh, a whole bunch of meetings where they stay on hold and um, pretty boring meetings were on hold again and oh, yeah. on hold again. Yep, yep, yep. They're uh, <laughs> watch and wait as the <laughs> watch and uh, wait. watch and wait and and, and be boring as as uh, as as part of the instruction manual for uh, being a central banker, I guess. And that must be uh, again another positive for share markets. Then, so you've been talking you know, consistency for the last year about one of the drivers for share markets: people looking for the yield they need, and they're not getting that through sort of. Uh, Traditional interest rate um, vehicles, and that so if they're not going to be increasing. That probably forward thinking going. Actually, share markets might continue as they have been. Yeah, I think the um, the interesting thing we'll be watching over the next year or two is just where interest rates settle for things like um, the long term bonds. But for a lot of clients, the boring old cash term deposit rates. I think they're going to stay low all through this 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 year, and that is a driver. You know, some of the utility stocks, the electricity generators performed so well over the last couple of years and um, because they pay out decent dividends and their dividend yields really attractive compared to a um, 2.5% term deposit. So I think that'll still be a theme and in that vein, um, you know, one of the lo- local bits of news to keep an eye on over the next uh, little while will be any announcements around TY Point down in um, Southland. Now that's a big electricity user and, and, a, and a key part of the um, electricity pricing in New Zealand is whether that's absorbing oh, about 13% of New Zealand's electricity. So what happens with that plant will be important for those uh, electricity stocks here. So there'll be some stories like that going on through the course of the year, but that interest rate story that's driven markets so much in New Zealand and offshore for that matter, I think will will stay in place. And you mentioned the housing market, especially in New Zealand, it seems to be getting very buoyant and lots of activity going on, sort of, um, and not just in Auckland, uh, regionally as well in, in New Zealand. Yeah, so Auckland was flat for a few years, and and this last wave of interest rates coming through to lower mortgages, I think, is flowing through now. Not a lot of volume um, going through the markets, but houses selling reasonably quickly, people getting good prices. So we're forecasting that um, Auckland house prices could uh, go up over the course of 2020 and the uh, the provinces have been going all right through the course of last year um, but this is definitely helping there you, know, you can get a uh, a mortgage comfortably under uh, 4% it's uh, it's the lowest they've been since the 60s and and low interest rates work they they do um, they do support the housing market and that's what's that's what's happening i think that'll be a theme over the course of this this year and one of the other themes this year is going to be um, election year all over, all around the world, and we're uh, gearing up for it here. But let's go over to the states first. So this just seems to go on forever, doesn't it? Really. Oh, yeah. But uh, so um, you got your Trump T-shirt on four more years. Um, so um, what do you think he's going to get in this in the, the elections, or where you? Where yeah, you it? I think he will. And we, and we need to always put in the little line there is that I'm not really a Trump no, no, supporter because okay. people no. people write in and complain. <laughs> But as much as I'd prefer a uh, possibly a, a different candidate or two, I think it's pretty hard to uh, to lose the election if the if the share market's going well. 
uh, the unemployment rates uh, is incredibly low and the economy's creating jobs, that will work for, for your supporter base and um, that's the environment that I think they'll probably be in. The other bit, uh, which clearly happened at the end of last year, is Trump now needs to deliver on all these deals that he says he's done. So there'll be lots of noise about, look at the progress I'm making on the wall. I'm pretty sure the Mexicans aren't paying for it. Um, but look at the progress on the wall. Look at these trade deals I'm, I'm, I'm landing. And, and America needs a tough guy like me because we were getting yeah, yeah. a bad deal and now I'm getting us a good deal. Uh, whatever you think of him, and most of it's not very nice, quite rightly, is um, he's good for share markets. And, you know, you can't, like he's, whatever he does, it keeps, he keeps going. And, um, you know, the, like even the volume of trade we're seeing here in New Zealand is, is up year on year because of the, some of the things that he says. I mean, global economic growth is good for share markets, companies performing well. And uh, clearly the, the tax cuts that came through were really good for the after-tax earnings of companies. So um, there's been some policies that have worked, have worked and supported uh, supported the share market, and he's uh, gone from calling it that a bubble when uh, when Obama was um, president to essentially a barometer of how well he's running the economy now, and uh, it it does make a big impact. The um, my, my so my dad uh, lives in the states and uh, and has done for many years, and for them their share market going well and their and their retirement funds. You know, be it a four hundred one k plan or, or or direct investments in the share market, that has that same sort of wealth effect for them that housing does for us. You know, we we tend to think, hey, if the housing market's really buoyant, retail sales will be buoyant, consumers will be confident. Well, um, that's just a wealth effect, and um, rightly or wrongly, um, that's that that's a key driver. And in the states, it's more linked to the share market. Um, than 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 the housing market. So um, you know, roll into an election, um, and if you're ticking those boxes of the share market going going well, um, and you know, plenty of jobs around, it's it's hard not to get a second term in my in my view. But or maybe even a third. Oh, well, he'd have to change some rules for that. <laughs> but you know, maybe he's got ideas that he'll change the rules, like we saw in China and Russia, so he can have a third go. Or maybe he's got a kid in mind. Yeah, you know, imagine oh, that'd being, be good. Oh, yeah. So uh, and 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 hey, we're at the um, same sort of time, we'll have our election here, yeah. which um, which will be um, way more exciting. Yeah, that's right. So hopefully, not, not quite as much uh, many bad hairdos as. Yeah. Um, as the US one, but well, we'll probably get promised lots in the next sort of few months, won't we? That's that normally what happens. Yeah, well, I think that it's quite interesting at the moment because um, Labor obviously came out with their infrastructure plans um, over over recent months. So that you would have thought was a key point of difference that um, that National could have had a go at, um, but now they've got this um, long term infrastructure plan and increased expenditure there. Um, but there'll be plenty more stuff over the course of the year. Um, at some point, we'll probably just do nothing like we usually do and watch and watch the election for um, unfold for the last six weeks or so. But that's a, that's a story for the second half of the year. So plenty for me to write about in my monthly reports. Fantastic. That's for sure. All right. Hey, well, lovely talking to you again. And uh, we'll call it... Um 
call it to a break. There, my core's really hurting me, so we should. <laughs> uh, but thanks again. Really, some insightful. I thought. I thought the comment around your um, your father and the way Americans think about it was really like really insightful about how the the different feelings we've got around property and they've got around share markets. Quite uh, really fascinating. I I remember talking to my dad and he wanted to get a new car. I think and he basically said I've had a great couple of months with my investments. So big deal. I'll buy the better model. And uh, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 fascinating. And hey, meanwhile we can you've got a kettlebell so you can um, maybe do some core stability in case well, we get yeah, these stalls I've, next time well, I did get a kettlebell for Christmas and uh, supposedly I've bought a, a it's too light supposedly the starter weight is 16 kgs for men and 10 kgs for females I bought a 10 kg um, but I'm just trying to get the the motion before I go before I go heavy. That's yeah, that, that's good thinking. And, and just tuck it away, and in ten years' time, you'll be back down to the ten kilograms exactly. anyway. Exactly. All right. Hey, lovely talking again, Chris. And uh, take care and enjoy your trip uh, up to Whangarei. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz. 